Good morning, everyone. You got that turned down a little bit. Um, so I don't trust technology. <laughs> um, so since this is the first time, many of you I know and many of you I don't know. So I thought I would just introduce myself a little bit. And since this is also the first time that um, I've ever really spoken or taught here. I was born and raised in San Jose and spent the first 50 years, I can't even believe I'm saying that, I spent the first 50 years of my life uh, there and then moved to Reno, Nevada. Um, can you just turn this down a tad bit more? It's got it, thank you. Um, and then migrated up here to Vancouver just about two years ago in May, actually this week. So professionally, I began my career as a medical speech pathologist in acute care and trauma and transitioned into hospital administration, no joke for that job, and executive human resource management and organizational development. And I transitioned out of the hospital and into, worked for three nonprofit organizations in the same type of role. And then after about 26 years, I transitioned careers again uh, into being a licensed mental health counselor. And that's what I do today. And I have a private practice here in Vancouver. Uh, it's Christian counseling, and I just love what I do. And secondly, I just wanted to say a big thank you to Marshall and Carly and the leadership team here at Vancouver Vineyard in allowing me to speak and teach and preach from this pulpit. It's both humbling and an honor, um, so thank you. And additionally, just to all of you leaders, um, you just do such a wonderful job at pastoring in each of your roles, and I'm very grateful that the Lord has just connected me here at Vancouver Vineyard, so now you all are my people. <laughs> so let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for today, and God, I just thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, and Lord, I pray that today you would take my words and they would be spirit and they would be life to each heart that's here today, and God, I pray that each heart that's here today or listening online would be changed just a little bit more than when they came. In Jesus' name, amen. So, initially Marshall had asked me to share my testimony, and I was all prepared to share that, and then he changed it up on me. And he said, I'm so sorry to do this, but can you preach on healing? And so, he does things in a way, when he does stuff like that, that's almost, and he does it with a smile, but he's begging with a smile. And he's just like, please, would you do this for me? And, and, and you can't really say no, right? So, so I said, of course, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I thought, what? Healing? That's a big topic. And then, um, then I was talking to Wes McLaughlin back there. And he said, oh, what are you preaching on? And I said, oh, healing. He goes, oh, I'm so glad you got that topic and not me. <laughs> So, but seriously, um, I really didn't mind talking about healing because healing close to my heart. 
over many years. Um, God has walked me through some very, very dark times. I call it the dark night of my soul. And um, he's brought healing to many, to just what I would consider utter brokenness before God. And so um, just grateful for what God has done in me over, uh, over the years in my life. And so, um, so where we're going to continue in our series today called Empowerment or Empowered and how God, through the Holy Spirit, empowers us in our lives. And so our main idea in today's message is healing still happens today in the name and authority of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in order to glorify Jesus. Right? I could probably end right there, but I won't. <laughs> so, so under that main idea or that framework, I'm going to break it down into two, four segments that are important for us to look at in terms of healing. Uh, number one is the purpose of why Jesus healed. Secondly, the purpose or role of faith in healing. Third, the purpose of God healing through a process or in multiple stages. Fourth, when God doesn't heal. And number five, I'll share some takeaways and then we'll bring it in for a landing. We're going to do things a little bit different um, because we're going to do a song that actually uh, Chelsea's going to sing for us today, but it's going to lead us into ministry time today. So when we look in the Bible and the examples of healing in the Bible, there are scriptures from Old Testament going all the way through the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, we see God healing women who were barren, couldn't have children. God healed leprosy. God healed the nation of Israel from their sin and rebellion. Out of his great love, he brings the nation of Israel back to him time after time after time after time. A lot like us, right? I know he's done that for me. And we see prophets and kings crying out to God for healing, and God brings healing to them. Then in the, we transition into the New Testament, which is where we're going to focus today. Jesus comes onto the scene, and we're told in the Gospels various reasons of why Jesus healed. And so as a preface, I want to say that Jesus always had a purpose for the healing he did. Why he healed, a purpose for how he healed, and a purpose for when he healed. He didn't just heal for the sake of healing because he didn't have anything better to do, right? There was always a purpose behind what Jesus did. And it's the same, it's true for healing as well. So let's look at the why. First, Jesus healed to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And in Matthew 8, 16, it says this, when evening came, Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. And then we see in Matthew 12, verses 17, 15 through 17, 
Jesus said, it says, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So he fulfilled what was spoken and prophesied about him in the Old Testament. The second why, Jesus healed so that people could know their sins were forgiven. In Mark chapter 2, verses 5 to 12, the context is referring to a group of friends lowering down a paralyzed man through a roof so Jesus could heal him. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus' point being, I have authority to do both to forgive sins, and to heal. The third why, Jesus healed to display the works of God. We know when God heals, it's a display of his works. John 9, verses 1 through 3, says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his, pro or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus heals the blind man and displays the works of God for all to see. The fourth why is Jesus healed so that people would believe in him. It was a sign. John 20, verses 30 to 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The healing miracles that Jesus did were considered the signs because the signs were for the nation of Israel and for the people that the Messiah or the Christ had arrived. Jesus says, here, these are the signs I've arrived. And next we look at, okay, well, we know why, why Jesus healed. And that's not all of them. So if you're ever reading through, through the Gospels, um, there's several more instances where it says, um, that Jesus healed so that. Jesus healed so that. So I stuck to four for purposes of time. <laughs> um, 
So next we look at the role of faith in healing. And what we observe is different scenarios of how Jesus responds to faith. First, from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, we see Jesus responding to the faith of the centurion on behalf of his servant. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him and asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The centurion understood the concept of authority. And he said, just say the word. Just speak the word and it'll be done. The centurion was essentially telling Jesus, I get authority. And you, Jesus, are one with great spiritual authority. And he said, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he, and he goes and does it. Jesus, just speak the word. It's all that needs to happen. And Jesus did, and his servant was healed. Jesus spoke the word. And Jesus responds and says, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. But he responded to the faith of the centurion. A second example of the role of faith is that Jesus then ties healing to the faith of the individual. In Mark chapter 5, verses 30, says the, uh, it's the woman with the issue of blood who went to every doctor available and didn't get well. And it says, at once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In another scenario, Jesus was unable to do many miracles and healings in his own hometown because of their lack of faith. No faith in Jesus 
After seeing all these signs and wonders that he's doing, they had no faith, their lack of faith. Jesus said to them in Mark chapter 6, verses 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do many, any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You see, we all have a measure of faith, and we walk in faith by virtue of believing in Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ is just at the core of our Christianity. Most of us, I say most because some people have had visions of Jesus. I never have, but I wish I did. Um, But most of us have never seen Jesus Yet we believe and we have faith for salvation, which is the good news, the forgiveness of sins. And we get reconnected to God through Jesus Christ by the completed work of the cross and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of faith. It was the power of faith when the woman said, all I need to do is just touch the hem of his garment and I know I'm going to be healed all I got to do is touch and that's all she reached for she was just reaching to touch and she said I know I'm going to be healed it's the power of faith then that begs the question well what is faith so let's we're going to turn to uh, the great faith chapter of Hebrews 11 that tells us what faith is And in verses 1 and 2, the Living Bible translates it this way. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. Even though we can't see it up ahead. I love the way the NIV application commentary explained this. It says, faith is a certainty which impels us as believers to stretch out our hand and lay hold of those realities on which our hope is fixed. Though they are unseen, They are already ours in Christ. The realities we are talking about are unseen because they belong to the spiritual realm. And some, and they lie in the future. That when it's God's time, they will break into the earthly sphere and pow. A healing happens. A prayer is answered. Salvation comes. But I want you to get that. I want you to really, really get that. Because things, there are the earthly, the earthly sphere, the spiritual sphere is much more real than the earthly sphere. And when it's God's time, we're holding on to the promises of God and we're holding on to, God, I know you're going to heal me. I know it. I'm having faith, I'm, in a, I'm believing you, no matter what healing it is, physical, mental, emotional, um, spiritual healing, salvation, knowing that we need Jesus. 
And we hold on to that. We're holding on to our hope in the spiritual realm, just saying, God, I know it's good. I know it's your will. You're going to break through. And when God's timing is just going to break through and he's going to be, bam, that prayer is going to be answered. And that healing is going to happen. And salvation is going to come. And so we, as a people of faith, we live out our confidence of God's greater realities in the spirit as we walk in the spirit. That's faith. Amen? And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to share the great exemplars of faith who were commended by God and had faith in God for what he promised. They had faith in the promises of God. And then in chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews trans- makes this transition and says, therefore, anytime you see a therefore, you got to pay attention to it. Um, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the people of faith that came before, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. It's Jesus who perfects your faith, who perfects all of our faith over our life. He's the perfecter of our faith. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, so that we will keep the faith. That's what God is telling us to do, keep the faith. We have confidence that God is able to bring whatever healing We are seeking from him. For with God, all things are possible. Not some. All things are possible with God. We just don't fully know and understand his greater plan. His greater purpose. Nor his timing. We just don't know those things. It's part of the mysteries of God. Which leads to my third point. Many times in our lives, God chooses to heal through a process rather than immediately. The Lord will use different means to bring healing. I would much rather have God heal me immediately than take me through a process. Um, God has never done that. I've always had to go through a process because he knew I needed to learn something. The example taken from Mark uh, chapter 8, and a few times uh, in the Gospels, not many, but Jesus healed in a a two-stage process, both physical healing, and then there were some things uh, being, uh, people were being delivered uh, in a demonic possession. But remember that Jesus had a purpose for doing things the way he did them. Our God is a God of strategy. He knows what it's going to produce. The example we're going to look at is Jesus healing a blind man in two stages. And it says, he took the blind man by the hand 
and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The disciples at, at this point in the ministry of Jesus, um, they have almost this partial understanding of both Jesus' ministry and what it means to follow Jesus. In a sense, they see Jesus and his ministry with this blurriness, like people walking around as trees. They don't have clarity. They don't see Jesus as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 that was prophesied. And they still have all these misconceptions about who Jesus is and what he's going to do. Several biblical commentators in this particular passage, they parallel the blind man's healing in two stages with the disciples' need for a second touch from Jesus through Jesus' continuing ministry and work with them so that they might see more clearly who he is and why he came. The parallel for us today is that the Holy Spirit works in us to transform us more into the image of Christ over a lifetime process. God often takes us through our pain and suffering in order to help us learn and grow in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fire trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. I don't know about you, but I'm not glad for trials. <laughs> um, when I first moved here two years ago, I had already been diagnosed with uh, Meniere's disease in early 2020, probably beginning in 2019, but in early 2020. Meniere's is a disorder um, of the functioning of the middle ear, and it causes severe vertigo and balance problems. And after moving here, it got worse. My balance was absolutely horrible. I had a hard time knowing really where I was spatially. Like, I probably couldn't even stand up here. I just couldn't find my, my sense of where I was in space. And the vertigo was intense and would just literally come on out of the blue. And I would just start spinning. And over the last two and a half years, when I would pray to God to heal me, and I was also complaining, but I was telling God how much it was affecting me, like he didn't know already. And so when I would pray, the Holy Spirit kept giving me this scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 4, I was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul knew that in and through his weaknesses that this thorn was causing, that God's power was made perfect and flowed through him in an even greater measure. Like he got the revelation. He knew it and he saw it. And there was no mistake. Paul would say, there's no mistake. This was not from me. This was all God's power because of what he was struggling with. So back to me, and mind you, I am nowhere close to delighting in hardships or difficulties, insults or persecutions. I don't know about you. But God, God kept giving me the scripture over two and a half years. And I was like, oh. Finally, I said... One day, and it was a really, really bad day, I said, God, are you kidding me right now? I can't function. I can't work. I can't read. I can't do anything except to sit here and not move. It was not one of my finest moments with God. God really didn't say anything back, except for he kept giving me that scripture. Fast forward to Marshall and Carly's house, life group. And Marshall will probably remember this. We were praying, and at the end, Marshall offers to pray for me. I said, sure, as long as you don't tell me my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> and at the end of prayer time, I open my eyes. And Marshall is standing there, grinning from ear to ear, and he's shaking his head, and he's holding his hands like this. He's just like, Carolyn, I'm sorry, but God gave me the scripture. My grace is sufficient for you. But he said to remember the second half, for my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. And I finally said, okay, I receive it. And I kind of had a defeated heart when I went home that night. Because it's two and a half years of praying. And I said, Lord, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And then I heard so loudly in my spirit. I mean, it was loud. Not here, but you know what I mean, in your spirit. The Holy Spirit said, when you respond to me in that way, that way meaning, are you kidding me, God, right now? 
that way. He said, when you respond to me in that way, you are unable to receive my grace that I'm trying to give you for your situation. That shocked me. The light bulb went on. Like, the light bulb really went on. And I was about to say, oh, I get it. But I went, oh. You mean, I have been rejecting your grace this whole time? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Then I went into full-on repentance mode. Right? I'm like, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I will never do that again. And I was just like telling God, I'm never, ever going to do that again. I receive your grace. Lord, I receive your grace. And every morning now, I just say, Lord, I receive your grace. Has anybody other than me ever had those oh moments with God? Anyone? Uh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. It was like so crystal clear. Like, okay, I'm never doing that again. Norman, say that again. And God knows he has to help me with my mouth sometimes. So, so finally... When I started receiving God's grace, I slowly started feeling better. Day after day after day, I could literally sense a new strength and new stability. It's not gone. I still have it. It flares up occasionally. But I'm able to receive God's grace and function each day through his strength and through his grace. Amen? My final point um, is what about when God doesn't heal? That's like a really tough question. Because God doesn't heal all the time. And I love the way that John Wimber, the founder of Vineyard, said this in an article titled Living with Uncertainty. He said, God's responses to prayers offered in healing, offered for healing, have varying results. But the bottom line is always God's sovereignty. There are times when our faith does make a difference in God's responsiveness to our prayers. The mystery lies in the fact that it is God who gives the gift of faith for the specific instance that he chooses. Whether, whether God's timing includes healing or not is determined by his sovereign will, which is always right. There is immeasurable peace when we yield our need to control and understand his ways. Right? I gave up control. <laughs> and I said, God, I'm giving it to you. I give up my control, my need to control and understand your ways and how you're working in me. We can rest in assurance that God is just and merciful. Whatever he chooses is the best thing for the person for whom we pray, whether or not he or she is healed. This, too, 
is part of the mystery. It's the mysteries of God that we don't fully understand, but we continue to believe for. And we continue to have faith. And we continue to just to press in. Isaiah 59 says, verses uh, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. It's God's sovereignty. Johnny Erickson Tata is a woman now 73 years old who when she was 17 years old suffered a neck injury that paralyzed her and she lived her life as a quadriplegic. For time's sake, I'm not going to go into too much of her story, but I, uh, I want to encourage you to read about her life. It's powerful. But on July 30th, 1967, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging how shallow the water was. And she fractured her fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae, paralyzing her from the shoulders down. During her long, grueling years of recovery, Johnny experienced depression, anger, resentment, thoughts of suicide. Her despair over the permanency of her quadriplegia caused her to question God's goodness and even his existence. But God, aren't you glad for but God? But God gently guided Johnny back to his word for hope. We need hope. Hope and strength. She now has a worldwide ministry for those with disabilities called Johnny and Friends. Johnny was quoted in her daily devotional as saying, God intended my suffering to be a platform for the saving of many lives. All these years through the ministry of Johnny and Friends, we've seen thousands of people and families who struggle with disabilities open their hearts to Jesus. This is Johnny. Do I pray for miraculous healing from my chronic pain? You bet I do. Am I expecting it? Well, if God wills, yes. Whatever you want, Jesus, I pray. If it would give you more glory and advance your gospel more quickly, I am all for it. That's the goal for whatever we ask of God, right? To submit to God and obey his word, knowing full well that if I had everything else in life and lacked that, I'd have nothing. It's all about Jesus getting the greatest glory, whether I jump up out of this wheelchair pain-free or I continue to smile in my wheelchair, knowing that in my pain I've got quite a few lessons to learn, a character to be honed, other wounded people to identify with, a hurting world to reach with the gospel, and a suffering savior with whom I can enjoy greater intimacy. And that's as good a miracle as it comes. Isn't that amazing? We, we remember God has a plan 
God has a purpose for everything that happens in our lives. And whether we get healed today, tomorrow, two months from now, we keep believing for a God to fulfill his promise and healing, and God knows exactly what we need from him. So what are our takeaways today? Number one, God still heals today and performs signs, wonders, and miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, God is sovereign and will bring healing in each life according to God's plan and purpose for each of us. We keep believing, having faith for healing. You keep pressing in. You keep asking. You keep knocking. And you keep seeking. I remind God all the time, uh, Lord, I'm still seeing people walking around as trees. It's not complete yet. I'm still seeing the blurriness. But I remind God because I'm still believing and pressing in to, see, to seek God and to receive his healing. And God's often doing deeper work than what we can even imagine that we don't see until 5, 10, 20 years later, looking back. And then God can powerfully work through all of your lives. No matter what challenges come your way, he wants to work through your life no matter what you're facing. Amen? Amen.